Section twenty nine of the Underground Railroad Part two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Underground Railroad Part two by William Still. Section twenty nine. Sam Nixon, alias Dr. Thomas Bain but few could be found among the underground railroad passengers who had a stronger repugnance to the unrequited labor system or the recognized terms of master and slave than dr thomas bain nor were many to be found who were more fearless and independent in uttering their sentiments his place of bondage was in the city of norfolk virginia where he was held to service by dr c f martin a dentist of some celebrity while with dr martin sam learned dentistry in all its branches and was often required by his master the doctor to fulfil professional engagements both at home and at a distance when it did not suit his pleasure or convenience to appear in person in the mechanical department especially sam was called upon to execute the most difficult tasks this was not the testimony of sam alone various individuals who were with him in norfolk but had moved to philadelphia and were living there at the time of his arrival being invited to see this distinguished professional piece of property gave evidence which fully corroborated his the master's professional practice according to sam's calculation was worth three thousand dollars per annum for one thousand dollars of this amount in the opinion of sam was the result of his own fettered hands not only was sam serviceable to the doctor in the mechanical and practical branches of his profession but as a sort of ready reckoner and an apt penman he was obviously considered by the doctor a valuable article he would frequently have sam at his books instead of a bookkeeper of course sam had never received from dr m an hour's schooling in his life but having perceptive faculties naturally very large combined with much self-esteem he could hardly help learning readily had his master's design to keep him in ignorance been ever so great he would have found it a labor beyond his power but there is no reason to suppose that dr martin was opposed to sam's learning to read and write we are pleased to note that no charges of ill-treatment are found recording against dr m in the narrative of sam true it appears that he had been sold several times in his younger days and had consequently been made to feel keenly the smarts of slavery but nothing of this kind was charged against dr m so that he may be set down as a pretty fair man for aught that it be known to the contrary with the exception of depriving sam of the just reward of his labour which according to st james is pronounced a fraud the doctor did not keep sam so closely confined to dentistry and bookkeeping that he had no time to attend occasionally to outside duties it appears that he was quite active and successful as an underground railroad agent and rendered important aid in various directions indeed sam had good reason to suspect that the slaveholders were watching him and that if he remained he would most likely find himself in hot water up to his eyes wisdom dictated that he should pull up stakes and depart while the way was open he knew the captains who were then in the habit of taking similar passengers but he had some fears that they might not be able to pursue the business much longer in contemplating the change which he was about to make sam felt it necessary to keep his movements strictly private not even was he at liberty to break his mind to his wife and child 
fearing that it would do them no good and might prove his utter failure his wife's name was edna and his daughter was called elizabeth both were slaved and owned by e p tabb esq a hardware merchant of norfolk no mention is made on the books of ill-treatment in connection with his wife's servitude it may therefore be inferred that her situation was not remarkably hard it must not be supposed that sam was not truly attached to his wife he gave abundant proof of true matrimonial devotion notwithstanding the secrecy of his arrangements for flight being naturally hopeful he concluded that he could better succeed in securing his wife after obtaining freedom himself than in undertaking the task beforehand the captain had two or three other underground railroad mail passengers to bring with him besides sam for whom arrangements had been previously made no more could be brought that trip at the appointed time the passengers were at the disposal of the captain of the schooner which was to bring them out of slavery into freedom fully aware of the dangerous consequences should he be detected the captain faithful to his promise secreted them in the usual manner and set sail northward instead of landing his passengers in philadelphia as was his intention for some reason or other the schooner may have been disabled he landed them on the new jersey coast not a great distance from cape island he directed them how to reach philadelphia sam knew of friends in the city and straightway used his ready pen to make known the distress of himself and partners in tribulation in making their way in the direction of their destined haven they reached salem new jersey where they were discovered to be strangers and fugitives and were directed to abigail goodwin a quaker lady an abolitionist long noted for her devotion to the cause of freedom and one of the most liberal and faithful friends of the vigilance committee of philadelphia this friend's opportunities of witnessing fresh arrivals had been rare and perhaps she had never before come in contact with a chattel so smart as sam consequently she was much embarrassed when she heard his story especially when he talked of his experience as a dentist she was inclined to suspect that he was a shrewd impostor that needed watching instead of aiding but her humanity forbade a hasty decision on this point she was soon persuaded to render him some assistance notwithstanding her apprehensions while tarrying a day or two in salem sam's letter was received in philadelphia friend goodwin was written to in the meantime by a member of the committee directly with a view of making inquiries concerning the stray fugitives and at the same time to inform her as to how they happened to be coming in the direction found by her while the mind of the friend was much relieved by the letter she received she was still in some doubt as will be seen by the appended extract from a letter on the subject letter from a goodwin salem third month twenty five fifty five dear friend thine of the twenty-second came to hand yesterday noon i do not believe that any of them are the ones he wrote about who wanted dr lundy to come for them and promised they would pay his expenses they had no money the minister said but were pretty well off for clothes i gave him all i had and more but it seemed very little for four travellers only a dollar for each and they will meet with friends and helpers on the way he said they expected to go away to-morrow i am afraid it's so cold and one of them had a sore foot they will not get away it's dangerous staying here there has been a slave hunter here lately i was told yesterday in search of a woman he tracked her to our almshouse she had lately been confined and was not able to go 
he will come back for her and his infant and will not wait long i expect i want much to get her away first and if one had a cc tawny here no doubt it would be done but she will be well guarded how much i wish the poor thing could be secreted in some safe place till she is able to travel northward but where that could be it's not easy to see i presume the carolina freed people have arrived ere now i hope they will meet many friends and will be well provided for mary davis will be then paid her cousins have sent her twenty four dollars and it was not wanted for the purchase money it was to be kept for them when they arrive i am glad they did keep the ten for the fugitives samuel nixon is now here just come a smart young man they will be after him soon i advise him to hurry on to canada he will leave here to-morrow but don't say that he will go straight to the city i would send this by him if he did i am afraid he will loiter about and be taken do make them go on fast he has left i could not hear much what he said some who did don't like him at all think him an impostor a great brag said he was a dentist ten years ago he was asked where he came from but would not tell till he looked at the letter that lay on the table and that he had just brought back i don't feel much confidence in him don't believe he is the one they alluded to he was asked his name he looked at the letter to find it out says nobody can make a better set of teeth than he can he said they will go on to-morrow in the stage he took down the number and street of the anti-slavery office you will be on your guard against imposition he kept the letter they sent from norfolk i had then no doubt of him and had no objection to it i now rather regret it i would send it to thee if i had it but perhaps it is of no importance he wanted the names taken down of nine more who expected to get off soon and might come here he told us to send them to him but did not seem to know where he was going to he was well dressed in fine broadcloth coat and overcoat and has a very active tongue in his head but i have said enough don't want to prejudice thee against him but only to be on thy guard and do not let him deceive thee as i fear he has some of us here with kind regards a goodwin in due time samuel and his companions reached philadelphia where a cordial welcome awaited them the confusion and difficulties in which they had fallen by having to travel an indirect route were fully explained and to the hearty merriment of the committee and strangers the dilemma of their good quaker friend goodwin at salem was alluded to after a sojourn of a day or two in philadelphia samuel and his companions left for new bedford canada was named to them as the safest place for all refugees but it was in vain to attempt to convince sam that canada or any other place on this continent was quite equal to new bedford his heart was there and there he was resolved to go and there he did go too bearing with him his resolute mind determined if possible to work his way up to an honourable position at his old trade dentistry and that too for his own benefit aided by the committee the journey was made safely to the desired haven where many old friends from norfolk were found here our hero was known by the name of dr thomas bain he was no longer sam in a short time the doctor commenced his profession in a humble way while at the same time he deeply interested himself in his own improvement as well as the improvement of others especially those who had escaped from slavery as he himself had then too as colored men were voters and therefore eligible to office in new bedford the doctor's naturally ambitious and intelligent turn of mind 
led him to take an interest in politics and before he was a citizen of new bedford four years he was duly elected a member of the city council he was also an outspoken advocate of the cause of temperance and was likewise a ready speaker at anti-slavery meetings held by his race some idea of his abilities and the interest he took in the underground railroad education etc may be gathered from the appended letters new bedford june twenty third eighteen fifty five w still sir i write you this to inform you that i has received my things and that you need not say anything to bagnall about them i see by the paper that the underground railroad is in operation since two weeks ago when sales's party was betrayed by that captain whom we in mass are so anxious to learn his name there was others started last saturday night they are all my old friends and we are waiting their arrival we hope you will look out for them and they may come by way of salem new jersey if they be not overtaken they are from norfolk times are very hard in canada two of our old friends has left canada and come to bedford for a living everything are so high and wages so low they cannot make a living owing to the war others are expected shortly let me hear from sales and his party get the name of the captain that betrayed him let me know if mrs goodwin of salem are at the same place yet john austin are with us see lightfoot is well and remembers you and family my business increases more since i has got an office send me a norfolk paper or any other to read when convenient let me hear from those people as soon as possible they consist of woman and child two or three men belonging to marsh bottimore l slosser and herman and company and turner all of norfolk virginia truly yours thomas bain direct to box number five one six new bedford massachusetts don't direct my letters to my office direct them to my box five one six my office is sixty six and a half william street the same street the post office is near the city market the doctor feeling his educational deficiency in the enlightened city of new bedford did just what every uncultivated man should devoted himself assiduously to study and even applied himself to abstruse and hard subjects medicine etc as the following letters will show new bedford january eighteen sixty number twenty two cheapside opposite city hall my dear friend yours of the third instance reached me safely in the midst of my misfortune i suppose you have learned that my office and other buildings burned down during the recent fire my loss is five hundred and fifty dollars insured three hundred and fifty dollars i would have written you before but i have been to rhode island for some time and soon after i returned before i examined the books the fire took place and this accounts for my delay in regard to the books i am under many obligations to you and all others for so great a piece of kindness and shall ever feel indebted to you for the same i shall esteem them very highly for two reasons first the way in which they come that is through and by your vigilance as a colored man helping a colored man to get such knowledge as will give the lie to our enemies secondly the contents being just the thing i needed at this time my indebtedness to you and all concerned for me in this direction is inexpressible there are some books the doctor says i must have such as the medical dictionary physician's dictionary and a work on anatomy these i will have to get but any work that may be of use to a student of anatomy or medicine will be thankfully received you shall hear from me again soon truly yours thomas bain
New Bedford, March 18, 1861. Mr. William Still. Dear Sir, Dr. Powell called to see me and informed me that you had a medical lexicon, dictionary, for me. If you have such a book for me, it will be very thankfully received, and any other book that pertains to the medical or dental profession. I am quite limited in means as yet, and in want of books to prosecute my studies. The books I need most at present is such as treat on midwifery, anatomy, etc., but any book or books in either of the above-mentioned cases will be of use to me. You can send them by express, or by any friend that may chance to come this way, but by express will be the safest way to send them. Times are quite dull. This leaves me well, and hopes it may find you and family the same. My regards to your wife and all others. Yours, etc. Thomas Bain. 22 Cheapside, opposite City Hall. Thus the doctor continued to labour and improve his mind until the war removed the hideous institution of slavery from the nation. But as soon as the way opened for his return to his old home, New Bedford no longer had sufficient attractions to retain him. With all her faults, he conceived that old Virginia offered decided inducements for his return. Accordingly, he went directly to Norfolk, whence he escaped. Of course, everything was in the utmost confusion and disorder when he returned, save where the military held sway. So as soon as the time drew near for reorganizing elections, etc., the doctor was found to be an aspirant for a seat in Congress, and in running for it was found to be a very difficult candidate to beat. Indeed, in the first reports of the election, his name was amongst the elected, but subsequent counts proved him to be among the defeated by only a very slight majority. At the time of the doctor's escape in 1855, he was 31 years of age, a man of medium size, and about as purely coloured as could readily be found with a full share of self-esteem and pluck. End of section 29